What up, brawlers? Welcome back to Throwing Hands. We're back with a very special episode. Alongside me is Danny Woods, per usual, but we have a very special guest on today. Yusuf Salah, UFC featherweight contender. Yusuf, how are you doing today? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. I'm excited to get this interview started. So I think we're just going to hop right into it. So how'd you get your start in MMA? Like, what made you want to do this? So I really didn't, uh, like, want to, like, to do MMA or nothing. I never heard of MMA never knew what mixed muscle arts was so there was this gym american top team that used to be at uh in colorado that came in and my dad knew that i came from morocco from kickboxing and he wanted me to train again basically just to go train so instead of just staying at home and just sitting at home and just going to school at home so i was like okay awesome let's go check it out and we walk in and there's like a cage and like all this stuff and i was like what the hell is this like what, what do you got me into and then from there, it's basically talk to Bobby Lashley. I don't know if you guys know Bobby Lashley. He's, uh, he's like a WWE wrestler and all that. Talk to him. And it was like from there, just like we couldn't go that day. That day. We waited a year later, then went in with that team. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So what would you say, like you're, you have a Moroccan descent. Would you say that has and had any of your effect on the way you fight or like your style of fighting? So my, my style of fighting was like crazy. It was like, it's a lot like different now, but before it was like almost like Dominic Cruz style. Like I had to learn how to, like it went from Dutch kickboxing to, to Dominic Cruz style and then went on to like what I do now. All right. So you you mentioned that you had a, a kickboxing background, and uh, I I was reading earlier today uh, that you kind of got into kickboxing growing up in Morocco uh, as kind of a way to stay out of trouble. What what kind of from your perspective, what kind of effect has fighting had on your life, uh, not just professionally but as a person as well? Man, it's it's definitely huge. I feel like uh, if if I didn't have the fighting or, or just saying discipline at, at all the stuff that I do, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here where I'm at right now. I feel like it would have been it would have been bad bad choice for me. And especially all the friends that I have in Morocco, they're not they're not doing the 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 best as as everybody else. And especially with the people they hang out with and, and the opportunities they have and they just let it go. That's like that's what I, I could have been, you know, and I'm glad that I'm very happy that my mom and my dad really got me out of there. Yeah. So you go, you, you started off, um, well, you didn't start off here, but you you spent a lot of time in the legacy fighting Alliance. What are some things that you took from fighting in the LFA and what, how, what, what have you, what'd you learn from there that prep, prepped you for the UFC? Man, it's like LFA is like took great of us, but they still, not like they give us the toughest competition they can give us. It's not like they give us the easiest competition. So like all my fights in LFA have been like top, top guys. And I, I'm blessed enough to, to have that experience 
before I go to the UFC. I know a lot of guys will always, like, we talked about it to, to the coaches and everything. They always go in and they get, like, easy matchups and stuff like that on, on like, outside LFA. And then when they go to the UFC, it's, like, a very hard matchup. So I'm glad to, to get that experience that early and that young. Let's talk about your your last LFA fight a little bit. Something that kind of put you on the map was that that switch knee knockout in that last LFA fight. What what just technically was going on in that fight that led to such a spectacular finish? So man, that fight it was it's a crazy story. That fight, like I really didn't care about anything because they canceled the whole card on us, like. I was training for like 12 weeks and they canceled the card on us. They say, Hey, well, we, we're not having the Colorado thing off. Uh, we don't, we're not with access TV no more. So we got to figure out something like this. And we're not going to have a card without a TV. And I was like, well, damn. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm mad. I was like, I went to Morocco and enjoyed Morocco a little bit. And then I get a call in Morocco. They said, Hey, you have a, you're fighting a catch weight 140. Uh, at LFA, I was like, sure, like, and then didn't care from there. Like, I really didn't focus on it, like, as, as the other fights at all. And then when I went there, I don't know if you guys know Dust, uh, Dustin Jacoby. He's a, he's a kickboxer that trains with us. Uh, like, fought for the title, glory title twice. Uh, apparently uh, didn't get it, but he's an amazing kickboxer. And in the warm-up room, because we had, like, seven guys, so we had, like, 10 coaches with us. He helped me. He was doing the flying me with me. And I was like, okay, like, this is awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I did it like literally 10 times. And then I, that's it. I was like, we went outside and I was like, as soon as it started feeling it, and I was like, oh, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And I just did it and I just went for it. And then it, it worked. Wow. That's, that's a pretty neat story. So we, uh, you know, Time in LFA is over. You make your UFC debut at 247 on the at the, you were the first fight on the early prelims against uh, Lingo. What was your mindset going into the fight, knowing that you were fighting for the biggest promotion in the world? Man, what I what I learned was like just to enjoy the experience. For me, it was that time was all it is was to enjoy the experience. I didn't care if I won or lost. I really didn't care. All I wanted to do was enjoy that experience. So it's, it's been a little bit of a, a whirlwind in really less than a year for you. You went from a two-fight losing streak to that huge knockout in your last LFA fight. Now you're 2-0 in the UFC. What has that experience over the last year been for you as your star has really risen in MMA? Man, it was, it was rough. Like you said, I had two, two losses. Uh, one of them, I had a contract ready for me to go to UFC. That was the main event against Chepe. The other one was I had a contract ready for to go to contend the series. So it was very up. It was very hard, for, uh, like a hard year for me to, to like just think about it and, and like just really just take it all in. So that was very hard for me. And, you know, like you, you keep talking to yourself and, and MMA will do that for you. You were like, hey, I don't know if this is the right thing for me and this and that. That's why the right coaches and everything is, is the – the motivation and everything that you need is the coaches and the, the friends, whatever it is, the wife, whatever you need that, that you have. It's the, that's what I needed. And then really seeing my family in Morocco was the, was the big step for me. Because after that, it was, 
it was all like, let's just go. This is this is my job. I'm ready to have fun. Yeah. So you, after that, you know, you're two and zero in the UFC. You just came off a big win three weeks, two and a half, three weeks ago against uh, Jordan Griffin by uh, decision. What what can you take away from that fight uh, to put forth into your uh, future bouts? Man. That fight was, like, it showed a lot of, like, what I can do in the striking, but still didn't show all what I can do. You know, that's what uh, what annoyed me a little bit about that fight. But I'm glad, like, fighting the best guys. Like I told you guys, like, I don't want to fight, like, easy guys. Give me give me the guys who has double my fight experience. They've been in the UFC five fights, and this is my second fight. So it was going into that fight, I was like, whatever, man. It's like we trained, like, not even three weeks for that fight. And we were, we were like, let's go, let's do it. It's like, what's what's the point of having, you want to say you will call yourself the best, but you're never ready and never never want to fight the best. So for me, it was, it's still growing experience for me. It's all it is is growth. And that fight was a lot of growth for me. So as, as you kind of grow and you, you have such a great stand-up game, something that really stood out to me every time I see the tail of the tape when you fight is you're 5'10", but you have a 75-inch reach. Uh, technically, how do you – obviously, it's, it's an advantage any time that you go out there with such a big reach advantage. How do you try to use that to your advantage when you go out in the octagon? Uh, I mean, to see how the fight goes. You know, a lot of guys will, like, like want to get hit, you know, and my style was to hit and not get hit. I, I said this a million times, you know, I'm trying to – Hey guys, not not really get hit and trying to make a, a career out of this and get out as as healthy as possible, you know. So for me, that's the biggest thing we learned about the reach. Like like I told you guys before, I never knew how to use my reach. All I needed to know how to do was put your hands up, high hands, kickboxing, ready to go. And then before that, it was all movement, just move all over the place and like kind of like time to take down, whatever, all that. But now we're getting the hang of really staying long and really using that the, the reach that we have. Yeah, so you explained like you want to get a little – you haven't really used your reach too much, but you're starting to learn. Where would you like to see your career go and what would you like to learn more in your career to make yourself better? Man, just to be the, uh, a better MMA fighter that I, that I can possibly be because you don't see – you really don't see a lot of Moroccans in, in, in anything in MMA. It's like – we have three Moroccans in the UFC, and I'm the only one that fought twice already now. So for me, it's like I really want to put the Moroccan MMA in, in, uh, up there, you know, and really show that we're not just a kickboxers. We're not just a strikers. We really are an MMA fighters, and we can learn whatever we want to do. With so few Moroccan fighters in the UFC, and like you said, you're the only one with two fights, uh, what does it mean to you to be able to represent your country at such a high level? Man, it's it's a blessing, man. It, it really is. Like, I, you know, I, I was, I've said this to before to a lot of guys, you know, like you, you always dream about, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. But when, we, uh, when life hits you, things change, you know? And for me to really follow what I'm doing and to get inspired thousands and thousands of Moroccans I can't tell you how many messages I get people telling me now they want to be in the UFC. They want to be like me and, and all that stuff. So it's a blessing in the skies. And I, I can't wait to, to get more people inspired to do what they love and really do anything they want. All right. So you're only 23. 
you're, you're only a couple fights in your UFC career. Where do you see yourself in five years right now? God, uh, I don't know, man. I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever life takes me. It really is. Whatever life takes me. It, if it's world title, world title. It's not, it's not. We, we're, we're just having the fun and we're enjoying the experience. I can respect that, man. That's, you, you, I'm sure you inspire a lot of people with what you do. And I think, I think that's probably, would you say that's the most fulfilling part of your job? It really is. Yeah, man. Like you really think about it and you, like, you see your family and you're like, you're like, wow, like he, he is doing his own thing and really following what he really loves. And that was, that was cool to see, you know, my dad wanted me to be a software engineer, wanted me to go to college and all that, you know? So it's for me, it was to really just dig down myself and really be real with myself and really find out what I really want and I really, what I really want to follow. Something that I've seen in your past a lot is you have a really strong uh, anti-bullying message that you, you try to push out. Now with the platform that you have in the UFC, what do you want to be able to do with that? To show that everybody, if the bullies want to mess with you, 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 you know exactly what you need to do. Like you show them self-defense, especially at jiu-jitsu or anything, you know? And I was like, that's what I was like trying to teach people. I was like, I was young and I was like getting my ass beat by, by some kid that I like skinnier than me or bigger than me or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, in the end of the day, it's like, especially now, you know, there's, there's, there's all the things, there's weapons, there's all that stuff. So like, you got to be very careful. But in the end of the day, man, you just want to, you just want to do this for fun and obviously self-defense as well. Like bullying, it's, it's, it's brutal, man. It's a, it's like, it's like a disease when somebody has it, it stays forever and passes on and they keep passing on, passing on, passing on. That's the, the, that I do not want to want. I was like, I want to, to really just enjoy uh, the world together. Like we can talk smack to each other. Who cares? We're, we're kids. Like we're, we're like 23, 21 when I was 18. Who cares? We're kids. That's what kids do. Like, you talk smack to each other, but at the end of the day, we respect each other. And that's that's the biggest thing that I want to put out there. It's not just you just want to learn how to fight and just go bully everybody. No, it's not. Like, especially in fighting, you're going to find somebody who's better than you and who's going to bully you. All right. So I know you have to get to a workout in a few minutes. Uh, is, is there anything you want to tell anybody, like just an inspirational message or what what do you want to get out to, to others that that they want to know about you? I really like. I feel like they heard this so many times, but really go with your heart. Really go with you, what you really want. Like, for me, I MMA was not my thing. MMA was not my career that I wanted to follow. It really wasn't. But it took me three years until when I was 20, 21. Then I really decided to like. You know what? This is my career. This is what I'm gonna follow, and I'm gonna do all the sacrifices that I need to do to get what I need. So really follow your heart and do not listen to people. Do not listen to other people's opinions. Don't care. That don't make, that's not going to make you. That's not really what you're going to make yourself. And that's really what, what I learned in being in the United States and growing up in Morocco. Be yourself. Don't listen to anybody else. All right, man. Uh, Dan, do you have anything else? I'm good, man. All right. Where can the people find you on social media, Youssef? Yeah, you guys can follow me at uh, Instagram at the Moroccan Devil. Hey, I finally got the blue check mark. Finally. <laughs> nah, but yeah, man. Uh, the Moroccan Devil, Facebook, my fan page, Yusuf Zalal. Facebook is Yusuf Zalal. And then my, uh, my Twitter is the Moroccan Devil and the school 45. All right. Well, 
Yusuf, thank you for your time, man. I'll be sure to give you a follow. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you guys. All right, man. All right. Have a good workout, my damn. You too, brother. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye, man. Mm, that was a good guy, man. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. That was a fun interview. Yeah. Obviously, young guy, a lot of energy, really wants to make an impact in the UFC. And with his, his attitude, that's one of the biggest things uh, that you want to see out of a young fighter. I think he's going to have a lot of success in the UFC. Yeah, I think he will too. I think with his uh, with with his body type, his his long reach, and he's five ten, so he's a pretty big featherweight. I think he can make a lot of noise in this division coming up in the next few years. Wouldn't you say? I mean, uh, with with his physical gifts combined with his attitude, I mean, I, we talked about it a little bit there. I don't think it could be understated. The guy's five ten, and he's got the reach of somebody six foot three. That's crazy to me. That's so you combine such a positive attitude for fighting and it seems like he's really come to love MMA as, as his career has gone along. I honestly think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to get into some UFC news to extend this episode a little longer. What do you have for us, Daniel? Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, Jorge Masvidal wants a rematch with Kamaru Usman with a full camp pretty much immediately. He wants – he definitely wants that to be his next fight. And I'd like to see these guys fight again. Uh, and Masvidal wants it within 2020. I'm not sure that's going to happen because I think Gilbert Burns uh, has to get the next title shot. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I don't see Masvidal getting his, uh, his rematch this year. And with Gilbert Burns, Gilbert Burns definitely deserves that title shot as he's just mowed through this division in the past year and a half, two years. I mean, we saw what we did what he did to Tyrone Woodley. He, he destroyed him. He, he beat the brakes off the dude. And he, was the, he defended the belt three, three times, right? Yes. All right, yeah. He defended the belt three times. And I just think with Gilbert Burns, and I think it'd be a pretty good grappling matchup. I think it'd be a good matchup for Kamar Usman because it could show what he can do on the ground with uh, grappling. So I, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would think so. I think obviously Gilbert Burns was... Uh, the number one contender far and away before COVID-19 caused, obviously he had a positive test, caused that fight to be thrown out for the time being. Uh, but getting back to Masvidal, uh, he obviously wants this title shot. He deserves another title shot, I think, with a full camp because he was still able to go out there and compete with, in my opinion, one of the five best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world uh, on six days' notice. But I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Uh, does Jorge Masvidal now uh, move in line behind Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards, or uh, do you still see him as the number two behind at, behind uh, Gilbert Burns in this division? You know, I think it's it should be Leon Edwards who gets it after Gilbert Burns. I think Gilbert I mean, Leon Edwards has proven himself within the past year, year and a half. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Masvidal had a great 2019, three wins. I think he definitely deserves the title shot, but Leon Edwards has been holding his place in line for a hot minute now. So I think that's who should be next after Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I feel like every time there's a new title fight made in welterweight, there's, it, there's for, some, for some reason, Leon Edwards' title shot keeps getting pushed back. It's, it's like, it's, it's crazy to me because he's been at the top of this division for a while now, and he just, there's so many circumstances that have just come out of nowhere to lead him to not get this fight and I really want to see him fight Kamara Usman because 
it's, it would kind of be a full circle thing for both of these guys because Kamaru Usman's first uh, fight in the UFC after, uh, after the Ultimate Fighter, his, UFC, his official UFC debut was against Leon Edwards, and he won by unanimous decision all the way back in 2015, and it was Edwards' fourth fight in the UFC. So uh, these are guys that have a history, and as somebody that, that as a, a journalist really likes to see compelling stories along with good fights and good games in other sports, I really want to see these two guys fight because it would really bring something full circle for both of them. Yeah, I can I can agree more with that. I think you and I both both touched on something which he deserves this title shot. Like you said, he it seems like he's been getting pushed back for for a little while now. So I think with Leon Edwards, he should get it after Burns. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think you know this is I don't know we're kind of getting off topic here. But if Masvidal had won, I think it wouldn't even be Leon Edwards next. Honestly, it'd probably be McGregor. I wouldn't you say? I mean, that's what I've heard buzz about. That's that's entirely possible. I think, uh, obviously, Conor McGregor's quote-unquote retirement, I think we've discussed on this podcast, I don't think he's done fighting professionally. I think he's doing this as a ploy to basically get the biggest money fight possible, which a matchup with Jorge Masvidal would certainly be that. You've got Conor McGregor who, love him or hate him, uh, no matter what you think about him as a fighter, is one of the biggest money drawers in combat sports history. And across the octagon, you've got Jorge Masvidal, who's one of the most controversial fighters in terms of personality that we've ever seen. Uh, that's a fight that would draw a ton of money. And if, if the welterweight title was on the line, uh, I think that would be something the UFC would almost have to book. Uh, but obviously, until Jorge Masvidal gets another shot at Kamara Usman or whoever the, the welterweight champion would be, I would think sometime around mid-2021, I don't see that fight happening soon. Yeah, and speaking of pay-per-view fights, Jorge Masvidal was clearly the draw for that Fight Island uh, main event because if you look on the YouTube views, his post-fight interview has about 3 million views compared to Usman's 300, 400,000 views. I might be wrong on that because I saw the stats a couple days ago. But I think with Masvidal is now probably – I mean, with, if, if we assume McGregor stays retired, probably the biggest draw in pay-per-view in the UFC right now. So wouldn't you agree? I have to think so. Again, he's so outspoken. Uh, honestly, the only person that might be able to outdraw him, uh, probably would outdraw him, I'd say, is John Jones. And we don't know when John Jones is going to fight again. Yeah, or, or Habib. I think Habib draws a lot too. And I think when that uh, 252 fight happens in September and Oct- or October – no, 250, 253, my bad, happens in September or October, we can, we'll see what his pay-per-view draws. And I think with Gaethje, that'll be a huge pay-per-view draw. So, yeah, Masvidal right now, besides maybe Johnny Bones or Habib, is probably the best pay-per-view draw. And don't get me, he's probably one of the most exciting fighters when we, when, he, when we get down to it. And I'd like to, personally, I'd like to see a Nate, uh, Nate Diaz rematch, wouldn't you say? I'd love to see that fight. Again, it's two of the most controversial guys on the roster. It's going to draw money. Uh, even if, uh, honestly, uh, it doesn't have to be for a title. I mean, you have the BMF belt, but it doesn't have to be for a title for that to be a pay-per-view main event. That's something people are going to buy. It's something people are going to want to see uh, because of the way that first fight ended. So uh, you take guys, two guys that are on their own, 
some of the most controversial fighters in the world. And then you factor in the, the fact that they already have a history against one another with a disputed finish in their first fight. That is a re that's, I mean, that's a box office magic waiting to happen. Yeah, definitely. And I think if this fight is to go more than three rounds, Nate Diaz is going to have to get some new skin because that dude has way too much. <laughs> this dude has way too much scar tissue on his face. And that's, that was the problem in the last fight. I mean, Nate Diaz wanted to go, but the doctor called it off because he had a massive cut over his right eyelid. And I just, yeah, but I obviously. Nate Diaz bleeds like a stuck pig in every fight. That, yeah. You have to understand it, that when you're, yeah. when you're going to. When you're going into that, he's going to bleed. That's what happens. Yeah, it's like GSP a lot. Like, yes, mm -hmm. GSP usually looked the most beat up after all of his fights, and they went, a lot of them went to decision. But that's just because he cuts easy. And some people just cut easy. I cut easy. I mean, I'm not a fighter by any means. I don't expect myself to, you know, get into the octagon anytime soon. But people just cut easy. And I think with Nate Diaz, that's just his problem. And I think that's going to be the bane of his existence for the, for the latter part of his career because of – he just cuts easy because he has more scar tissue. And even if he doesn't have scar tissue, he still cuts pretty easy. So do you have anything else? You, any other news you want to break or anything? Uh, nothing really jumps to mind other than, I mean, this is something we don't have to go too in depth with it just because it's a little more of a human interest story. Cause it doesn't honestly have anything to do with anybody that's currently fighting. Uh, but we obviously uh, heard, heard rumblings, uh, during the UFC 251 broadcast that uh, the the beef between Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson was back. And now it has exploded in the last couple of days. Uh, Henderson was tweeting during the show or during the, the card on Saturday that got Bisping riled up. Um, and then Bisping later says says on the Believe You Me podcast this week, uh, some things about Dan Henderson that I'm not going to repeat because this is a college radio podcast and we try to keep it PG-13 at worst. Uh, but uh, all I can say is uh, Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson have a long history and it is clearly not over. Yeah, it's it's definitely not over. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get in the octagon again or something. I don't know. We might see uh, what's, what, who's Oscar De La Hoya's money promotion. <laughs> money promotion's <laughs> fight. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, we can't really discuss many of the tweets because you know it's it's rated R pretty much. But yeah. can we just can we just praise Bisping for a minute? I mean, you can't hate the guy. He's oh, I love Michael Bisping. Awesome. You know he he's the Michael perfect Bisping. mix in commentary with knowledge and um and uh comedy. Like you know I get a good laugh every time, and I think he and John Anik are the perfect combo. And we saw that in 251. He knows what he's talking about, and he's also fun to listen to, unless you're John Hendricks, um, who <laughs> – but, yeah, so I don't know. I think – I love Bisping. He's, he's probably – he's one of my favorite people ever, honestly. Yeah, I love, I love Michael Bisping. He's, he's one of the toughest guys that, honestly, is probably walking this earth these days. And something that I didn't know that I wanted so badly until I got it was – uh, a, a color commentary combination of Michael Bisping and Paul Felder, and I want I want that on every card from yeah, now. Yeah, you're on. right. That I worked. That. that worked really well. I mean, John Felder's more calmed down, but he has a sense of humor. It's not like Dominic Cruz, who's like who's I don't know. That dude's more boring than paint drying. I'd rather watch paint dry than <laughs> listen to him commentate. About, we've we've dragged Dominic Cruz's commentary through the mud enough on this show. Yeah, you you make a good point, but I'm not. I can't. 
I can't stand Dominic Cruz. Great fighter. I mean, he's not a big fan of uh, Keith Peterson. Yeah, Dominic Cruz is the anti-Yoel Romero for this show. (laughs) I mean, we love Yoel Romero here. We love Yoel Romero. We stand Yoel Romero. (laughs) We love uh, Yoel. Yoel's the best. I mean, you can't hate the guy. You can't hate the guy. This being, I know you. (laughs) Dude, I, I, I wish we could have seen that fight. Yeah. Yeah, you have anything else, man? No, we need to we need to finish this podcast before it goes completely off the rails because you know when Yoel Romero starts coming up, we're getting a little goofy. So it, yeah. it's time to wrap this one up. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. I don't know what episode it'll be, but it'll be a good one. All right. See you guys.